Hello, and welcome to What the Denmark, the podcast that takes an outside-in look at Danish culture. I'm Sam. And I'm Josefine. In this episode, we are talking about what is essential to know when you're coming to Denmark for the first time. By listening through to other episodes on What the Denmark, you should get a feel for some of the broader themes of Danish culture, as well as advice on common questions if you choose to live here, like finding a job and making friends. Here, we're trying to focus on some of the practical elements of landing in Denmark and navigating your first few days, whether that be for holiday, for studies or full time. And we are very happy to be joined in the studio by Kay Zander Melish, who is the author of the new book, How to Work in Denmark. She's also the voice behind the long-running How to Live in Denmark blog and podcast. And also Joseph Yamoa, a product owner in HR at Maersk, a Danish multinational who came to Denmark from Ghana to study a master's in global development at Copenhagen University and has decided to stay. So Kay, Joseph, welcome to you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. So, as a way for, for listeners to perhaps get to know you a little bit, uh, can we hear a little bit about your sort of stories about coming to Denmark? So maybe, Kay, if we, we start with you. Well, I had been living in New York City in Manhattan, and I was kind of living the sex in the city lifestyle with not all that much sex. Although looking back, probably I should have had a little bit more. But I did all the going to restaurants and discotheques and operas. I was always out all the time wearing my high heels and stuff. And it'd been 10 years and I was getting a little tired of it. It was time to move on to something else in life. So I traveled around the U.S. looking at different cities where I might like to live. I you know, went to Atlanta and Miami and San Francisco and Tucson and Austin, all the cool places. But I really didn't feel a place where I fit in. And one of the reasons is, is that I love to look people in the eye. I mean, I'm happy to drive a car. Driving a car is super fun in the West, but I don't want to drive a car all the time. And many American cities are built for cars. So I have uh, I had a girlfriend who lived in Paris at the time. We would often meet in Paris and then go elsewhere in Europe. And one time we chose to go to Copenhagen. And it just felt like home right away. Uh, and I love the bicycle culture. I love the fact that you can get around without a car. So I went back to New York City, uh, used email to look for a job, got a job, moved here. I've been here ever since. Anyway, I'd never thought of not using a car as a reason to to move to a new place. That's yeah. so interesting. But I, I love suppose cars. if you are actually in the US where you do use cars all the time, and there are even places where you don't have pavements to walk on. So then actually it does make sense. I, I have heard that before, particularly from people who live outside the bigger cities in the States. Yeah, you're really prisoner of the car. You cannot go any place without a car. Yeah. So, and I do love to drive, you know, driving in the, the American West with the mountains, you know, nobody in front of you, nobody in the rear of your mirror. You can go as fast as you like because there's nothing to hit. That is fun. Mm. But just, you know, a daily commute, 35, 45 minutes in the car both ways, that was not what I wanted. But what made you feel at home here in Denmark? Well, it's a funny thing. The state I come from is called Wisconsin. And uh, now Denmark's a very prosperous country. People come from all over the world to live here. But about 150 years ago, after the war with the Germans, it was a very poor country. And there was an enormous amount of emigration. Just, people couldn't find jobs. There wasn't enough to go around. And a lot of those people came to the area around Wisconsin. So there was a sort of cultural matchup. We still have a lot of Danish bakeries in Wisconsin. Wisconsin has six million people, just like Denmark. It actually has the same GDP as Denmark. And it has the highest drinking rate in the United States. Oh, dear. Sort of like Denmark. <laughs> so I think there was a little bit of a, a parallel there. A sort of home I, from home, yeah. Yeah, I felt at home. Very good. Uh, and Joseph, what, what's your story about coming here? Uh, it's not as colorful as uh, case, 
Mine is quite the old-fashioned, boring one that I wanted to study a master's in uh, international development. And all the ones around the world looked the same. So UK, Germany, they looked the same. But the one in Denmark looked very different. So it was a mix of anthropology, economics. It was interdisciplinary and it takes two edges of the mode of inquiry and then it brings it together in one program and I was like okay that is a very interesting one but before then I didn't know anything about Denmark all I knew about Denmark was uh, Peter Schmeichel because I like football <laughs> and he played for, <laughs> played for Manchester United so that was my in and um, they threw in a scholarship and I couldn't say no. Interesting so it was the fact that Copenhagen University had an interesting course if it had been Hamburg University or another university you could have ended up exactly and I did it I had no idea what Denmark was and many people did not they were they thought it was actually the Netherlands Mm -hmm. and then when I got here I was like okay this is not the Netherlands (laughs) (laughs) no you've heard that often or people might even ask oh do you speak Swedish in Denmark or is Denmark the capital of Sweden Sweden. Yeah. yeah so uh well, how did you find it then when uh, when you saw it? And, and had you had other experiences in places like the Netherlands? No. So picture a guy coming from Ghana, 25 degrees as being cold, coming here in September and it's <laughs> 14 degrees and coming to start a master's program in a country he knows no one. And in my first week, I had this huge winter jacket on. And one of my classmates comes to me, Joseph, it's not cold yet. (laughs) (laughs) It's not yet. So the first impression was the weather was different. It was Mm -hmm. so different. And the food. Really? Oh, yeah. The food, because in Ghana, we use a lot of spices and chili. So the food here was very different. It It was unique. It had its own unique taste, especially the bread. Did you find it bland? Well, now that in your words, not mine, but uh, it was a little bland as compared to the ones that I have had, which were quite spicy and uh, with a lot more kick in it in that sense. But yeah, that was that was one. And the people were surprisingly nice because um, I've had different experiences, not in Europe, but in a new country, the English was perfect. I mm-hmm. was expecting to struggle, but it seemed like everyone spoke English, which was really good mm-hmm. for me because the master's program was also in English. So, yeah, those were the two main things that I was very surprised with. Excellent. Okay, well, we've got a, f- a few things for us to go through and a few topics to discuss. And I'm sure we'll sort of circle around on a few of them. But I think that the first thing which we've sort of touched on here is that um, yeah, Denmark is its own independent country. We were speaking to somebody at Visit Denmark, which is the Danish tourism board. And they're saying that one of the biggest Google searches they get is, is Denmark the capital of Sweden? So Denmark is a country in Northern Europe. I once had this thing at a school quiz back when I was like 13. And the question was read, which is the only country to have a land border with Denmark? And that the room was split. It was like, is it Sweden or is it Norway? And just conceptually, no one could really get their head around the fact that this Scandinavian country is actually connected to mainland Europe. It's the gate to Europe, actually. And you sort of notice that a lot in the the language as well. There's sort of Norwegian and Swedish seem to have much more distinct dialects, whereas Denmark seems to to borrow words from other places, which I think is to do with sort of trade routes. Um, Mm. Yes, in Northern Europe. Not too cold as well. I know it was cold for you coming over, Joseph. Um, 
but it's all relative. It's all relative. Yeah. <laughs> so I think some people, you, you maybe you've experienced this as well, Kay, that have these idea that Denmark equals Scandinavia equals piles of snow, wood cabins, etc. Have you sort of ever come across people who've had that perception? Yeah, I would say that they don't know a lot about Denmark, mm. and uh, they know the Little Mermaid. Okay, uh, yeah. And then, of course, they come here and they see the Little Mermaid and they realize it's very, very small. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. might think something like the Statue of Liberty, that is this massive no. mermaid that's called the Little Mermaid, but in fact, it is a little yeah. statue. It's about, what, about a meter tall? It's so underwhelming. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I know it's, you shouldn't, but it's... That's the beauty of it. To Danes, we would say the beauty of it is that it's underwhelming. It's an elegant little mermaid sitting mm. out in the sea, Buses and buses of tourists queuing up to see this, yeah, Tiny rather small little moment. Yeah. moment. And that's yeah. why my number one tourist tip, if you're coming here for a short time, is to get on a boat. And you can see the Little Mermaid from the water, plus yeah. a lot of other yeah. stuff. I have been living here many years. I often go on the boat in the summer because it's nice to be out on the water. Yeah, They're not very expensive. That is my number one tourist tip. Yeah, and then you see a whole lot of other things because actually most of Copenhagen has little canals running through. And in terms of, so you mentioned the summer, doesn't get really hot, would you say? So I, I'm, I'm used to Celsius, but I think the, the average in the summer is sort of around 20 degrees Celsius, perhaps, which might be around 70 degrees Fahrenheit, is that? I think it'd be closer to 80. And 80, the okay. important thing to mention when you talk about summer is there's no air conditioning here. No. Yeah. So you're going to sweat. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you certainly you don't need it all that often. Two or three weeks in the summer, it's not worth building it. Yeah. So Danish houses are built to keep heat in, mm. not to let air flow out. I've been here for three winters now, and there's been like a day or two where there might be a little bit of snow. So it's not sort of the, the midnight sun, the oh. stacks and stacks of, of snow. I'm from the UK, and Copenhagen is at the same latitude as... Uh, Newcastle, which is a um, northern England, northern northern England. England yeah. and I think Aarhus is maybe Glasgow, so like you know, a, a city in Scotland. So for people in the UK, like all of Scotland is basically as north as Denmark. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. So it's not this sort of like up by the Arctic Circle. I think no. Then you have to count in Greenland. Well, yes, <laughs> well, that's a separate thing, isn't it? Yeah. I'm curious, Joseph, when you arrived, obviously the bread and the, the food was a bit bland, but if uh, the colours must have been amazing to you because you came just at the start of autumn. Yeah, exactly. The colours were beautiful. And it was one thing that always sticks to me. It sticks out, the beauty of the geography of Denmark. And you see how the seasons transition. Mm. It's really beautiful. It was something that I wasn't used to um, back home. But to see that transitioning, the snow was the part that was a little bit disappointing because mm. I was thinking, oh, you've seen movies, Home Alone, how the snow stacks high and everything. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, oh, snow. Oh, that's it? Yeah. That's all? Yeah. yeah so that was, uh, but no, but it, it also has its distinct beauty in the winter. So it's like a winter fairy tale that you'd see the lights, the beauty, even though it's get, it has a longer dark period, but the beauty transitions out of the darkness very well. And it's quite different. If you are visiting, you would have something to do or see at every point in time in the season. Because in the summer, you'd see the cafes outside sitting. In the fall, like now, it's beautiful outside. Catch a drink. The coziness. The hug- Is it huge? You'd, you'd have that feeling in the winter. You have the Tivoli lights and 
the beauty of it. So it's a place that anyone can visit all year round and have something to do and enjoy mm. in that sphere. I think that also one thing we like to do in Denmark is to, as you said, create hygge and our own beauty. So in the winter, yes, there might not be that much snow all the time at least. But what we do is we try to decorate in a very cozy way with mm-hmm. a Christmas decoration and lights because obviously the days are very short. It gets dark early and the sun rises very late in the morning. So we decorate with beautiful lights in what I'd say is a very tasteful way, but embracing also the beauties of Christmas, using mm. the fur as mm. a decoration and yeah. bringing nature in, you know, the cones from the trees. And uh, Yeah, I went to visit my Danish friend and he just like brought a stick. Well, like he has like a, almost like a log from the forest. And I was like, what's that doing? So like, oh, I was just out on a walk. I thought it was quite cozy. Yeah. So you just have this like... Bring nature in. So, it's yeah. Exactly. And then people yeah. sort of, yeah, you're right, scatter mm. pine cones. And I think things. that's a very good point because, you know, Denmark industrialized fairly late. So many of the people you'll meet in Denmark are just two or three generations from being on the farm, having a fisherman family, and they really do care about nature. Mm. And that is the classic first date in Denmark. Let's go for a walk in the park. Let's go for a walk in the woods. Or let's go for a walk in the cemetery. Oh, yeah. we'll yeah. do that too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, uh, it was a huge cultural shock for me because yeah. in Ghana, we see the cemetery as the place for the dead. So if you are alive, that's not a place you go. Yeah. And uh, my wife now, I think on our second date, it was a picnic in uh, assistance, the cemetery. Yes. And I was place. so uncomfortable the whole time. And she was like, are you okay, Joseph? And I'm like, yeah, I'm all right. But... <laughs> It was so uncomfortable because of the cultural underpinning that in Ghana, you don't go to the cemetery unless you have to. But here, Mm. it's sort of integrated into the society. It's in the middle of the city. People go for picnics, drinks and sit. It's like having a cozy time with the dead in my head, like just doing this. No. But we see it as nature. So I, th- I I don't know with Ghana, but actually our um, cemeteries are very green and True. lush, full of uh, mm. natural beauty. So mm. we see them mm. as parks to an extent. Yeah, yeah. No, in Ghana, it's not it's not that way. It's a place that is solely dedicated for the dead. So you'd only go to pay your respects or to go and bury someone. But since you talk about it, the architecture of the cemeteries is designed in a way that it makes room for a pack feel that you can do anything or do stuff. One thing that I've, I find myself having to, to tell family and friends when they get here, is just a bit of health and safety. So I've had this where I've worked. So the big thing I've learned when going to a Danish city that you need to get your head around is normally when you cross a road, there is the road where cars go go straight into a pavement where people walk. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Denmark, you have road, cycle lane, pavement. And so I have lots of friends and family who, when crossing a road, they'll be like, oh, I've exit, I've finished the car bit, so now I'm just going to chill out and relax and just dawdle for the last bit. Whereas actually, you're still in a place where bicycles are often going quite quickly. So that's always my number one tip for them, is make sure you cross all the way across the road, because this thing which seems like it's a, an extra pavement is actually for bikes and cyclists will get a little bit upset if you are in there and um, you might get hurt yeah. yes <laughs> yeah have you got any sort of health and safety tips or, or little things like that well my number one tip for americans is don't rent a car you don't need a car yeah. hmm. and i can tell you when my parents came here they went on a bus my mother said i haven't been on a bus since i was in college 50 years ago. Yeah, well, you don't use mass transit much in the U.S. And mass transit is often not very nice in the U.S. Mm. 
So to be on a beautiful, clean bus that comes on time is a little bit of a, you know, exploding head yeah. for somebody that's used to driving everywhere. But do not rent a car. It's going to be expensive. The fuel is going to be expensive. The parking is going to be mm. nuts. And many of the streets are not designed for cars. You're going to be mm. fighting with the bicycles. you got to go native and get into the mass transit, the trains, the buses, the scooters, the bikes. You're talking about going native, Kay. Only cross the road when there's a green man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That that was also a cultural shock for me, mm. and also after living in Edinburgh for a bit. So I lived when I left here. I studied a bit in Edinburgh, and here everyone stopped at the traffic sign. It was a given; like mm. no one moved. It was no jaywalking. And then I go to Edinburgh, and the green man is not on, and everyone is just walking. I'm like, okay, have I been ruined or have I been improved by Denmark yeah. that uh, <laughs> you stop? And that's one of the health and safety. And I, I was told earlier on. Mm. that you could get a fine um, if there's a police officer or there's someone around. Mm. If you jaywalk, it's, yeah. I think, 750 or yeah. 700 kroner. Yeah. yeah, because it's illegal. Yeah, it's like exactly. 100, like 100, 100 euros, yeah. $100. And the thing is about fines in Denmark, you really cannot talk your way out of them. No, yeah, no. They don't buy the I'm the confused <laughs> foreigner thing. Same thing with, you know, on the train, you buy a ticket, but you don't have to go through maybe a turnstile or something no. to get yeah. on the way you might in London or New York. So there will be people coming around to check your tickets. And if mm. you don't have the right one, you are getting a monster fine, about a thousand crowns. Uh, what would that yeah, be? Yeah, $120, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's big. It's big. Yeah. And I think, well, that's a good point because, again, one of the tips I have for friends and family when they come here is because um, it's, it's always the case. You, know, you come off the, come out the airport, you come out the train station, and you're like, oh, I've got to get a ticket to get somewhere. Um, there's this app, the, the, the Dot app, yeah. which is basically the – uh, Department the of Transport app. Department of Transport yeah. app, where you just go on and you you buy your ticket, and then when, you don't need to scan in anywhere. But when that person comes and checks your tickets, you just show them the app. So that's just like you can download that app beforehand. Once you arrive there, just before you're about to go on the train, you buy your ticket, sorted. Yeah. Um, because yeah, because as you say, okay, that you, you you won't really be able to get out of it. Um, and it would just be such a horrible way to start your exactly. trip to Denmark, yeah. wouldn't it? But yeah, I think um, uh, our uh, national transport is called DSB. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you want to look for this app, it definitely makes sense to do that ahead of your trip. And it's called DSB dot app. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I find that um, in terms of getting around, obviously you've got Google Maps, but uh, City Mapper yeah, works City Mapper. in, I think, most Danish cities. And that's just quite good because it's it's integrated with the uh, the buses and the trains mm. and things, so you can um, get around. Yeah, I think well. the one I use often is the Reiseplaner. Yeah, Reiseplaner. Yeah, yeah that's, that's excellent. Yeah, yeah, it's quite easy to use, and the locations, mm. even though, even if you don't speak um, Danish, it's yeah. uh, and also the ultimate one that everyone uses, Google Maps. Yeah. I've also found that one to be really good, and at the airport as well. When you get in there, you'd be able to get your tickets and everything quite easily. They have an English and Danish um, session where you can quickly get maps or um, get your tickets to buy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Have, you, have you had friends who visit uh, rent bicycles at all? I haven't, but I do run into tourists on bicycles. They don't know the rules and, mm-hmm. and, and the way. And if you mostly use bikes recreationally, you don't understand that some people are trying to get to work. They're late for a meeting mm-hmm. with their boss or they got to pick up their kids or sometimes they're carrying their groceries or the dry yeah, cleaning. Yeah. It is it is a practical use. Mm-hmm. And you can't kind of fill up the whole bike lane with, you know, you and your family. People yeah. will not be pleased. No. So, so generally speaking, if you're, if you're on the bike, just, just stick to the right-hand side yeah. and then you let people who 
know what they're doing <laughs> or like want, want to be somewhere, they can overtake you on the left. But where possible, stick to the right-hand side of the bike lane. But I think it's it's true. Like it's that there are bike lanes across most of the cities. So it is designed for being able to get from A to B via bike. And there are, what's that? Is it Donkey Republic? I think there's one of these apps where you oh, yeah. can... Lime, I think. Lime, 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 Donkey Republic, and Swap Fits. Swap Fits, yeah. So there's a few few of these apps where you can just sort of download, go and get access to a bike and cycle around. Because it's quite a nice way to, often it's the quickest way is to cycle. um, Yeah, we'll make sure to put those links and names of apps on the Denmark website so that they can be found there as well. Yeah, but also with um, local bike shops, you can just go and rent a bike for a day. Because when my brother was here, that's what we did. We just walked into a bike shop, a repair one, and we rented one for the day. And as you mentioned, we biked. He used to bike leisurely. He's in the UK and he wasn't used to it. So it would occupy and then you'd hear the the bells and how people, and it's like, okay, these bikers are aggressive. But (laughs) it's just, as you said, people have places to go and you can't occupy most of the space there. And the rules of Mm. turning and the hand gestures. uh, I think once when uh, on a bike, someone raised their hand to stop. Oh, I was thinking it was a high five. So I'm like, oh, no, 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 he's actually stopping. (laughs) Yeah, there's some sign language that's really (laughs) important. That's part of the rule set. So, for example, when you put your hand up straight up in the air, that means you're stopping. Mm -hmm. And if you put it to the right, it means you're turning right. If you put your hand to the left or your arm, left arm to the left, then it means you're turning to the left. And those are really sort of the very basic rules that are very important when you cycle in Denmark. Yeah. So I was speaking to uh, a guy called Derek, who runs a YouTube channel called Robe Trotting. He's an American, moved to Denmark with his partner, and they have this YouTube channel about things that are confusing about Denmark, our favorite topic. And he was saying that one thing that surprised him was people in Denmark speak a very good level of English. So if, if you're just in a shop or at a cafe, you don't really need to say, do you speak English? Because people naturally do. So I think in terms of, um, you know, if you're here as a tourist, uh, you can f- get around and you can function in Denmark, mm. in most places, speaking simple English. I think English is taught in schools up until the age of 16 or something, is it? Yeah, yeah, and actually many people, they move on to high school where they then continue their yeah. English learning. Yeah. But I think it's important to say that most children learn very early through social media channels yeah. now. Yeah. Um, we don't yeah. tend to dub things, so it means that uh, most films will be in English and then with subtitles on. So we hear it also yeah. throughout life. So I think it's, in, in a way, it's also, it's, it's one where, as we've spoken about a lot, Danish is quite a difficult language to pronounce. Oh, and yeah. so if, if you're coming in as an outsider, trying to pronounce Danish words can actually be really difficult and just sound a bit strange. So I had a friend who went around for the first day in Denmark saying hedge to people, not realizing that it's pronounced hi. Oh, <laughs> I've never heard that no, one. Yeah. That. He went on Google, that is a new one. Yeah, yeah. He went on Google Translate and was like, that. oh, H-E-J, hedge, hedge. 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 And hedge. People just, hedge, hedge. And people were just like, what? So... <laughs> there are certain things where sometimes it is, if you're here just for a week, yeah. it's probably best to just sort of go by in English. You can, the easy one is tack, which is, you know, thanks or tusen tack, which is, yeah, a, a thousand thanks. So, yeah, so I think that's, that's another thing is you, you can function totally in Denmark in English. Um, but, and I guess, Kay, you found this as well, in order to, you speak fluent Danish? I do. I'm a Danish citizen, a dual citizen, US, Denmark. Yeah. You've got a passport? I do. 
Not wow, that I know a lot of people who want that. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> impressive. Yeah, and I don't know if you, do you my I'm on a path to learning Danish, and I, I find that there is a level at which you sort of get to a new level of comfort when you can speak Danish to people. So there is a level of you know, most people in Denmark can speak English. And so if you're here just just to sort of function and get around, that's fine. You can do it in English. But to really sort of get at ease with Danes or for Danes to be at ease with you, you do need to actually learn Danish. Did you find that on your... Yeah, I think that's true. I, you know, I was working. And so my goal was to be able to take a meeting in Danish mm. because it'd be like, oh, we're having this meet, big meeting. Okay, he's here. We got to switch to English. Yeah. But one of the challenges that people uh, encounter when they live here is that Danes are so good at English. Mm. And there you are stumbling along like a little fawn with your Danish. And, and you know, it's slow and, mm. you know, people like to be efficient here. So my number one tip for learning Danish is a program called ElderLearn, mm. where they put foreigners together with people in nursing homes. Yep. Mm. Because people in nursing homes have so much time. And it's the highlight of the week that you come yeah. and practice your dreadful Danish for an hour. I mean, that's such a win-win situation yeah. you're yeah. mentioning there, Kay, because there's actually a lot of loneliness among elders mm -hmm. in Denmark. So the fact that they get that company and they can give back in some way and you can be then learn the language. I love it. It's so yeah. important. Thanks for mentioning that. Yeah. Is, is, did you do that with when you learned? I, I did not. No. But what was your, did, were there any sort of... I worked at Danske Bank and yeah. people didn't want to speak uh, English at lunchtime. So I would Ooh. go to lunch with my colleagues and they would speak English in the workplace when we yeah. had to get something done. When we got to lunch, they didn't want to do that. So they want to chill out there. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is <laughs> true. And that's so important when you're a foreigner if you really want to make Danish friends because they will speak English. But, you know, oh, you're out and you got a beer in your hand. It's kind of yeah. a pain in the neck to speak somebody else's language, particularly as the night goes on. Mm. And then if you're with an all Danish group, they'll speak English. But then you go to the bathroom, you go buy a round of drinks, you come back, they're speaking Danish again. Mm. And, and, you know, you have to kind of sit there like a fool until they come back to English. So mm. it just makes your life so much easier. If listening to these tips about how to survive the bicycle lanes and mild winters in Denmark hasn't put you off visiting, then you might be interested in one day moving here. Denmark needs international people to move to the country and work. Being a small country, there's only so much tech and other talent that's available, and so lots of aspiring Danish companies are actively trying to hire internationals. These companies typically work in English, often are doing something interesting, and working for them means you get to live in one of the happiest countries in the world. If listening to What the Denmark has piqued your interest in the country, then go check out the State of Denmark's website. There you can sign up to job alerts from Danish companies looking for internationals and read more about what your everyday life in Denmark could be like. Head to www.state-of-denmark.com forward slash WTD. The link to that is in the show notes as well, if you didn't catch it. Cool. Now back to the studio with Kay and Joseph. I find a lot of internationals ask, uh, what are the no-go areas in Copenhagen? Mm. You know, I, I'm, they say, I'm worried about crime. Am I going to be okay? Mm. Um, and I want to point out it's a very, very low crime society. Mm. But it's not a no-crime society. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of pickpocketing. If you leave your computer around and don't keep an eye on it, it's going to disappear. Mm -hmm. But in terms of somebody hitting you over the head or assaulting you physically or threatening you, that is very unlikely to happen just about anywhere in Denmark. Yeah, I think it's generally sort of just good practice to be just a bit more vigilant 
when you're traveling anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we've just been on a trip to Lisbon, which I think is yeah, another safe city, but sort of stepping onto a metro and just being like, hmm, okay, I'm now squashed up against lots of people. Someone could just put their hand in the pocket. And I say, I, I'm not aware of it happening, but it's useful just to sort of be like, okay, you're not at home anymore. Just, yeah, there could be someone who's having a bad day or mm. who wants to take advantage. So just be a little bit vigilant. It, it's mainly pickpockets, it's yeah. true. But I would say that um, from an assault perspective, it, it is so safe that actually people leave their babies outside the cafes oh, yeah. in the prams mm. because we know that they're safe there. And I think we have sort of a, an invisible code, which is that we look after each other, we look after each other's children. So if someone hears someone cry or if there's a child that's hurt or someone else is injured, we do something, we act, yeah. we're proactive. And that's very nice. And that would be the same for any foreigner or anyone coming to the country. Mm. Joseph, I, I read an interview that you did with Copenhagen University. Oh, yeah. And uh, and in it, you, you mentioned something about if you ever you were stuck, you would just ask for help and people would always give you help. Yes. Which I thought was, it's, it sounds so simple, but I think a lot of people, especially when I came for the first time, I'm sort of used to a scenario of I'm walking around, I'm in a new place. I might be like looking at a map, looking around, looking a bit confused. And I'm sort of used to people sort of spotting that and maybe come up and say, oh, would you like some help? But it doesn't really happen so much in Denmark. Obviously it might happen sometimes, but it's more We've spoken about it before, this idea of being a proactive society mm. where if you, people are generally pretty nice, but you have to ask people because they will sort of view it as an inv- almost an invasion of privacy Exactly. to then intrude on you on that. So I thought that was such a nice, have you had experiences where you've, you've asked for help? And Yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, that's one thing I found when I um, moved here that people will help you when you ask for it mm. and they respect your private space and will not want to interfere with your own space or what you are doing. So you might look like the lost tourist, but in their head, okay, come and ask for help. Mm. And then once you ask for help, then people would easily point you out to um, different things. Not only in the society, even in my studies when I was in class as well. And I don't shy away from asking for help. So you just take that step. And I think you spoke a lot about this in one episode of the, what the Denmark on trust, mm. where you delve deeper into how the society has evolved into that way of the trust and helping each other and supporting each other if you mm. ask for it. And then it goes on in that way. So, yeah. But also sometimes um, I think when I was lost one time, I was looking confused and someone walked up to me, hey, do you need any help? And mm. I, it was so refreshing. It's like, yeah. yeah. I'm going here. It's yeah. like, oh, take this bus. Yeah. And then uh, you go, it was, it's really nice of that, uh, the society as well. Yeah. I think another thing to mention, because obviously you might be coming with your family, you might mm. be bringing children. Denmark is a very child-friendly place. There are lots of public playgrounds. Um, we also do this thing where we open the schools up during the weekend so that anyone who wants to use the school playground, they can actually take their children in there and have them play and enjoy that uh, space. In addition to that, traveling with children on the train, the children are free. So uh, don't mm. pay for your child. Yeah. Actually, one which um, someone got in touch with, I think on our Instagram, was tips for children. And I think that they asked if there were any good bookstores that sold kids' books. And I think I, I think there was 
I was like, oh, I don't really know. Can you just try Google? But <laughs> the the library, the main library in Copenhagen, I, I guess in, in most of the Danish cities, are really child-friendly. And it's like a whole floor just dedicated to kids. And I've just come off um, paternity leave. And one of the activities that you can do with your child is to go to the library. And they just, you just sort of drop them off on this floor and they just go and like run around and play with all the things. So I think that's like a little tip, which I wouldn't have thought, oh, I'm going to a new city. I'm going to go to the local library as a thing to do with my kids. But that's quite cool. It's an insider tip because yeah. actually I think very few people would think about it. Yeah. But actually every library in Denmark also has a child section. Um, and they would probably also have an international section with English books. But I think that what is so nice about the library is that they put on really lovely activities for mm. the children. So if you if it's miserable outside with rain, <laughs> then you can actually go there with your child. And there'll often be a little playground where they can do stuff. So a very, very a good tip, I think, Sam. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd like to also suggest the National Museum of Denmark mm. has mm. a huge children's wing. They can dress up like Vikings. There's a Viking ship. There's a horse they can sit on top of. There's a little store that they can play that they run. So that's another good tip for mm. a rainy day. Yeah. yeah. Um, on that, if I can just piggyback on the health and safety, something that yeah. I just remembered, that the restaurants, play areas, every place is very child-friendly. So if mm. you have little babies that you have to change or proms that you have to take in, it's very child-friendly for all the activities related to a child, the supermarkets and everything. Uh, it's because in some cities we traveled in Europe, you would literally have, when I, my daughter was quite young, mm. you would literally have to go and put something on the floor and change hair, but they have places here. I, I was... I was surprised, like, so moving from Denmark, we went to a city I wouldn't name. And then in that city, when we went to the restaurant, we had to change my daughter on the floor. But, and I was like, wow, we are really pampered in Denmark. Yeah. Like with the <laughs> level of uh, structure and things, the infrastructure mm. that is built to support parents mm. and make life comfortable and easy for parents. So if you're traveling here with your kids, who are babies or not so old to do stuff on their own, you would have some changing areas. I think now they are making it more unisex because uh, at first it's mostly in the female section. Mm. So when I'm go, I was going to change my child, I was like, okay, yeah. why is that for men? <laughs> But I think now it's changing a bit more. I was in Lisbon and crouched down in a cubicle changing my doors out. I was like, oh my gosh. And then I went to the restaurant and they're like, oh, uh, maybe you can like go in the, Back, go in back, the room in the yeah. back, and I'm there, sort of in this wet, like storeroom, changing my. Oh, okay, and you're right. You just sort of. I mean, I've never had a baby before, so I don't, I don't know what's normal. But so I'm used to sort of the, the the Danish aspect of you basically go anywhere and there's a changing table. Yeah, that was my exact experience. Yeah. I thought it was the same everywhere in the world, but yeah. nope, <laughs> it was only Denmark and Sweden. I yeah. think that I have seen this. I'm sure other countries have it. Yeah. But they're uh, quite good in England. And, you know, I was based in South Africa for many mm. years. Yeah, they're really, really great at accommodating families and children. But mm. not to take that for granted. Joseph, mm. You're totally right. That yeah. um, we often tend to take things for granted until we meet another reality. Yeah, exactly. And that's obviously what you've experienced. So for anyone who's not used to that, come to Denmark because there's some real opportunities <laughs> to enjoy your time here with the children. Yeah, totally. We spoke to Ajumba Saskia, who did the winter bathing episode. She was saying that in in Germany, she's German. She, she's German. She, yeah. in, where, where she lived, there was like a law which said the kids' playground couldn't make too much noise because there were residents nearby, or so it was something like that. Kinderfeindlichkeit. 
dislike of children. <laughs> and it was like a law which said like we can sort of find the the nursery or the the, the kindergarten because uh, they're making too much noise for the local residents. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. People in I'd Denmark think. like kids. Yeah. People in Denmark like kids. Yeah. They do. They do. Too cool. So perhaps if we sort of We've spoken a lot about if you're coming to Denmark for sort of a week or two. Now, there'll be some people listening who are perhaps coming here to study or maybe stay here for a little bit longer. And if we were to just sort of touch briefly on things that one can do to sort of begin to integrate a little bit more into um, into society. Now, okay, your blog and podcast is called How to Live in Denmark. So <laughs> <laughs> obviously go and check out Kay's blog. You'll, do you have any sort of top tips um, for, for this? There's going to be a big difference for people who enjoy alcohol and people who don't. Mm-hmm. If you like to drink, the Danes like to drink. And you're going to meet a lot of friends and bars and parties and clubs and that sort of thing. Uh, if you don't like to drink, you're going to have to do a little bit more work. But Danes love to do things together. They love sports. They love clubs. They love political campaigns. So your challenge will be finding out what you like to do. And then finding other people who like to do that. Mm. And those is good, are going to be your first friends in Denmark. Mm-hmm. Have we had a comment on our Instagram feed uh, from Hao Yan, who said, basically, there's a Facebook group for everything. Yes. I wasn't really used to using Facebook, but she's so prominently here in Denmark. And she's right. There's a Facebook group for everything. And so you can just go on and things are organized there. Events are on there. You can always search on that. Yeah. Danes like Facebook and they like LinkedIn. Twitter is not big here. No. And WhatsApp, which I exactly. found, yeah, it's surprising that no one uses WhatsApp. Yeah. Or the people who do, uh, you, you know if someone's used WhatsApp because they've been abroad. Yeah. Because they have to use it to interact with the rest of the world. I think yeah. now people call it the app for immigrants, because if you're not <laughs> an immigrant, somewhere you don't use it. But no, okay, to yeah. just add to it, um, when I was a student, what I found useful to get integrated more into the society was sports. There's a sports club for everything. So yeah. I joined a football club. And there are different types. I joined one that was called International Football Club, Mm. where internationals just met. So it wasn't very good to integrate with the society. But there are local football clubs everywhere Mm. where you can join in, swimming club, golf clubs, um, chess clubs. And Mm. uh, every club you would think of, you you would find something to join in. How do you transition from, here is someone I'm doing this group activity with, to now I can be friends with this person. So I sometimes find there's a bit of a transition between, I don't know, I do this activity or I go to this meetup with someone to then basically we're asking them on a date effectively of like a friend date of like, oh, you seem cool. Do you want to go for a beer or anything? Did you, did you find we take anything? this to the next level? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, I yeah. think, you know, offering to help them with something. They've got to move. They've got to paint mm, their house. Yeah, they yeah. are having a Christmas party. So there almost has to be an event. Yeah. yeah. Because it is a little awkward to say, you know, should we go to the museum or that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, and probably you will have to take the first step. Yeah. Because yeah. as you mentioned, Danes don't like to impose. Mm. They don't want to put you in a bad situation. So I can say with my Danish friends, not only did I take the first step, I probably took the second or the third step yeah. just to make things fun. And you did a lot, of, a lot of painting of new apartments and a lot <laughs> of new boxes, <laughs> but it was worth it in the end. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I would say for me, the next step was um, getting married to one. That mm-hmm. took it to that. No, <laughs> just kidding. It took it to the next level. From, uh, but yeah, of course, it's building your social capital with mm-hmm. um, the person. And for me, I found it easy when now that I have kids, that mm-hmm. it's easy to use the kids. Oh, 
terrible choice of words. It's an easy access. Easy yeah. access, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Thank you. To go on a play date and mm. then it transitions that, hey, we are grabbing the string somewhere. And now that I live in the suburbs outside the city, mm. it's much easier that in that community, parents are more okay doing stuff together. And because, I mean, you don't have anyone else. We are just our own people <laughs> there. So that as well. So from football, drinks after football. So if you don't drink, as you mentioned, it's going to be quite hard for you because mm. there's the Friday bar after work or after school, mm. after football, there's after, drinking. After school being after university. Oh, no, 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 no. Not only university. Because the drinking age here is quite low. People start drinking about 14 quite, quite, or 14. Yeah. yeah. And in many schools have a bar. But afterwards, you're yeah. kidding me. Yeah, yeah. My daughter's yeah. school. Schools have a bar. Yeah. yeah. And you have beer and alcohol pops. Yeah. Because yeah. the drinking age for beer is 16. It's 16 so if you're in yeah. a high school, yeah, yeah have a beer. Really? Yeah. But uh, it, that said, actually, that is being debated at the moment that it's a concern because we have a drinking issue in Denmark. Yeah. So hopefully we'll be a bit more careful with how early we... Um, let the children experiment moving yeah. forward. <laughs> yeah. But the argument, I think, in Denmark is let them experiment while they live at home mm. so that their parents can pick them up when they've made a big mistake. Yeah. 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 And, and give, yeah, a safe space to sort of explore it as opposed to making it this thing which you can't, this forbidden. Mm. Yeah, it's thing. an open-minded, embrace yeah. it, and that way, you know, we can have a conversation about exactly. it yeah. without them having to hide it. Because, yeah. you know, obviously teenagers experiment and they will experiment on their own if you prohibit. Yeah. Same yeah. with sex. People are allowed to bring their partners home, you know, and sleep over even when they're teenagers. Mm. Oh, God. Exactly. But I mean, yeah. I, I totally see it that putting guardrails for, mm. for the children so that they can experiment in a safe space and not see it as forbidden or yeah. something that is unknown. Because people tend to want to go and do mm. the unknown. So yeah. in that sense, yes. But from my cultural upbringing and uh, bringing your boyfriend or girlfriend yeah. to sleep over at 17, 16, yeah. oof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <wow>. yeah, or <laughs> drinking at uh, that age or even smoking at that age. But I, I totally agree. It's something that the parliament and other politicians are looking into yeah. to see if it can change. So this shouldn't scare off... Um, or for a young person who is listening, yeah, yeah. 16, I'm coming to Denmark yeah. to drink. No, no, no. Just um, let's put that caution in place. Right. But yeah, so that that is also the way of uh, making friends that you transition from, let's say, a club to um, drinking friend or someone mm -hmm. you go out with. And then, because I found that Danes have a very closely knit friendship. Because my wife, for instance, she's still friends with people she studied with 20 years ago mm. and they do things together. They've traveled together. So they've built this um, closeness and together. Mm. And it's really hard to break into something like that, that they've had since she has friends she's known since kindergarten. And yeah. I'm like, wow, keeping that relationship mm. throughout your life, you know? Yeah. And Kay, I think you've got a great point on this, which is... Uh how to make friends with a Dane is find someone who's not lived in the city that you're from. Is that, is that, yeah. Absolutely. For example, I live in Copenhagen and most of my friends don't come from Copenhagen. Mm. They come from Alborg or Esbjerg or Aarhus because people who have grown up in Copenhagen, uh, they have their network, as, as uh, Joseph said, they have the people they went to school with. They've got grandma, they've got their cousins. Mm. And you're like, hey, let's get together on the weekend. Oh, I'd love to, but, you know, my school friend just got engaged, just has a party, and it's yeah. grandma's 80th birthday, and, you know, my cousin's getting confirmed. They don't have the time. 
or the, yeah, the, the space. Really. I always find that it really is people say, I don't have space. Like you seem really cool, but I don't have space for you. And it's just like wow. this idea that you know, you've got these friend spots. Spaces, slots, yeah. And it's like, well, I've got my six or eight people now and you seem great, but sorry. Yeah, also, no more yeah, seats for you. Yeah. Wait till one goes out yeah, and then exactly. yay, you can come in yeah. now. But so, at least they're honest about yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then you know, then you don't feel that it's a personal thing, yeah. but it, they literally... yeah. They're too busy. Yeah. And I, I, t- I totally get it because actually there's also an expectation from your friends, your mm. old friends, from your family that you come to their dinners and that you attend the various family traditions and so on. So uh, I understand this not having space. So it sounds terrible. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, trying to, if you can find, as you say, this case says, you know, someone, Dane, who's not from around there, they've got fewer family obligations or school friend obligations because those people don't live within an hour or 45 minutes. Very cool. Is there anything else we'd like to talk about with regards to how to survive as a newcomer in Denmark? Is there any, anything that we feel we've not spoken about? Dating. Oh. Of- <laughs> Joseph likes that idea. And you've been very, you've been successful. You have yeah. a Danish partner. I do not have a Danish partner, but if you Google me, you know, they have the predictive text. Yeah. It says, K. Zander Mellish husband. Ooh. So people have been looking up, trying to find out who yeah. my husband is. I am trying to find out who my husband is. I have yeah. not found him. <laughs> uh, but a lot of people would like to date Danes, and they're lovely people, uh, very pretty and, and, and good partners. Um, they don't do the old-fashioned romance. You know, mm. They don't do the flowers and the chocolates and the man pulling out the chair for the lady, or the women don't play sort of giggly games like, oh, maybe ask me one more time. Yeah. They don't do that. <laughs> it's very direct. Mm. Uh, and if you there's a Dane that you like and you think maybe there's something between you, uh, the best thing to do is suggest uh, walk in nature. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to go for a walk in the park on Saturday, maybe have a coffee afterwards. Yeah. And you can see if there's something between you. Mm-hmm. And I've met so many foreigners that are like, oh, I'm going to write him a poem or, you know, I'm going to. No, no, no. Walk in the park. See if that you have anything. That would be overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they, they would not oh like it. There's a poem. How creepy. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and there, are, there are Danish women who get upset if you open the door for them. I do not open the door. I don't care. Yeah. An important thing about dating, too, is that people, each person pays for themselves. Mm. So, and this, a lot of people have told me, oh, I thought that we had something, but then she insisted on paying for herself. I could tell she didn't like me. Yeah. No, Danish women like to pay for themselves. They, mm-hmm. they don't want to feel like they owe you. Yes. So that doesn't mean that you've struck out. Yeah. I think that's really good advice from you there. Okay. <laughs> really funny as well. Yeah. I would say that one other thing to be aware of is that in Denmark, we love candles. So candlelit dinners is a very normal thing. Also, if you don't have a romance. So if you do experience (laughs) someone inviting you over and they are lighting candles, it doesn't mean that they, it might not mean that they have romantic intentions. So don't (laughs) always take it as such. (laughs) I've definitely like been to a meeting with, uh, yeah, with a woman and like the candle comes out and just for a second, I'm like, what is going on here? Hold on a moment. And then, oh, it's just, you know, this is just a cozy way for us to have a, let's get down to business. So, oh, okay. This is, this is it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, God, that's so funny. I'd never. It's like, I have a girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what are your intentions? Um, very cool. So, Kay, where can people learn more about you? Well, they can go to howtolivendenmark.com or my books are for sale on Amazon, Google, Apple Books. And actually, we're looking at it right now. So, let's read it. How to work in Denmark, colon. Tips on finding a job, succeeding at work, and understanding your Danish boss. Very cool. 
so there are so many unwritten rules of the mm. Danish workplace because they believe very strongly in a flat hierarchy that the boss isn't, you know, much better than mm. the people who work for her. So bosses don't give a lot of guidelines here. You have to kind of figure things out on your own. Mm. And that can be very confusing for internationals when they come here. Yeah. Like, what am I supposed to do all day? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, very good. We will share we will share a link to that in the show notes. Joseph, where can people learn more about you? If they if you'd like them to learn more about you. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. fine. I yeah. mean as in Denmark, possibly LinkedIn. Yeah. But um I'm not out there like uh, yeah. <laughs> an author or anything. So, well, if the, if people are are going for a walk in the suburbs, they might bump into you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You bump into me, but not a cemetery. You would yeah, not exactly. bump into me <laughs> in a cemetery. Uh, uh, right uh, or maybe maybe at a cemetery now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, and uh, as I mentioned, mostly LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, but aside that, maybe your nearest football park, playing football, or coaching football with kids. Very that good. is, um, yeah. Great stuff. Cool. Well, thank you okay. so much for joining. So much. Yeah, no, it was, it's you. really been a pleasure meeting yeah. you and talking to you about what to do when you arrive in Denmark yeah. so you don't get a culture shock. <laughs> Perfect. No, no, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Yes, thank you so much for inviting me. No problem at all. Thanks for listening to this episode of What the Denmark. In the show notes, we have included various links to things we have spoken about. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, then head to whatthedenmark.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for What the Denmark. Thanks as always to Andreas Gröning for producing and Tevin Sudi for editing the show. As always, time for our Danish sign-off. Vi ses næste gang. And that is the classic first date in Denmark. Let's go for a walk in the park. Let's go for a walk in the woods. Or let's go for a walk yeah. in the cemetery. Oh, yeah. we'll yeah. do that too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And my wife now, uh, I think on our second date, it was a picnic in uh, Assistance, the cemetery. Yes. And I was so uncomfortable the whole time. And she was like, are you okay, Joseph? And I'm like, yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> But it was so uncomfortable because of the cultural underpinning that in Ghana, You don't go to the cemetery unless you have to.